And we're live. Welcome to uh, CAD Live. This is episode 59. It's the 4th of January, uh, right at the beginning of the year. And I'm joined uh, again by one of my favorite guests, regular guest, Mr. Aaron Clary. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. Good morning and good evening over there. It is sort of mid-afternoon, actually. So uh, Why does it look dark mean, behind you? And why are you dressed like you're going to go out to a disco? Well, as I was explaining before we started the show, this is my this is my version of minimalism because I'm not wearing mm. the full, I'm not wearing the full jacket this time. I'm just wearing like a a, a blaze uh, sorry a vest. So this is me going minimal, especially for the show. So I hope you appreciate that. <laughs> I do, I do. I feel I feel very wanted. Thank you. That's good stuff. Good stuff. Well, listen, we have got loads to uh, get through today. Obviously, um, well, Aaron, did you want to? I mean, there, there maybe there's one or two people in the universe who don't know who you are. Did you want to do a quick intro before we crack into it? Real or? quick, yeah. But no, and, and you, you'd be surprised how little overlap there is. Like, there are some Troy Francis people, and then there are the Rich Cooper people, and then there are the, and they never yeah. know. You, you'd be kind of surprised how little that Venn diagrams. But yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a guy in the United States. I was a banker, economist, blah blah blah. Predicted many brilliant things, including recessions and housing crisis and all that. Wrote books, things, stuff, ballroom dance instructor, and um, I, I guess my flagship, or I guess the most name to fame, is my company called Asshole Consulting, hmm. where I basically just deliver harsh, blunt advice to millennials and Gen Zers that their fathers, who never they had, didn't deliver to them. So, and now I'm here. I have a bunch of books and things and stuff. So there's there's my quick Whatever. intro. Yeah, exactly. There, there. <laughs> and also just just the TLDL version, the grumpiest man in the manosphere. You know, I disagree. I think Rich Cooper is <laughs> kind of pretty grumpy. He's he's never smiling. He's always very he's grumpy. Very, I think he's I think he's getting I think he's getting grumpier recently. He's just maybe it's the lockdown over there, but he's just sitting there, sort of like, ah, it's bullshit. You know, just like, well, oh, yeah. but it's also Canada, and they don't got no sun up there. I mean, mm. they uh, you get to his latitudes, and uh, and he's I think he's the oldest. Is he older than Rolo? No, I don't think he is actually. Rolo I think he's similar age to us actually. I don't know. He just looks old as fuck. That's all. Just, <laughs> he does. He does. I wanted to, before we got loads to get through today, because you've got your course on minimalism and I'm keen to talk minimalism with you mm. and pick your brains on that. Cause it's something that I'm very interested in, as you can tell. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and also there's your book, the book of numbers, which came out recently as well. So we can, we can have a chat about that as well. I'm, I've, I'm sort of a few chapters through really, really enjoying it. Obviously saw the seminar before Christmas and that was fantastic. Um, mm. But just on a, just to get into this on a sort of economics level, I just wanted to ask you a quick question because we're on the eve potentially of another national lockdown in the UK. I mean, I've lost count of how many there have been now, but it looks like we're going to get further restrictions coming through tonight. And I read a, an article a couple of weeks ago that was quite interesting in one of the papers, maybe it was the FT or something. And the writer was basically saying, listen, guys, if you don't like lockdowns and you're hoping that the government is going to run out of, you know, fake money to pay for it then that isn't your salvation because they can keep doing they can keep printing money they can keep doing quantitative easing right or whatever you want to call it um for a lot longer than you think so if you want to get out of lockdowns you can't just sit there going oh they'll run out of money soon they won't be able to afford to pay people because they'll just they can keep doing it for a lot longer is it is that true do you think or do you have a view on that well it's an issue of production versus money printer go burr Mm. Um, and, and what I'm kind of amazed at is the Western economy's resiliency so far where we all have been money printer go burr, but we all still have food, clothing, and shelter. Yeah. We're still here on the internet. I mean, it's, it's, it's a yeah. miracle of invention that this still occurs. Um, <clears throat> maybe there's a run on toilet paper. Maybe I can't get lumber at the prices I'd like. 
Um, but the the core economy is still functioning. And in that regard, I'm very, I don't want to say optimistic, but I'm proud. I, yeah. I don't have like future, but like food is getting delivered. Water is clean. You know, everyone's worried because their cell phone doesn't connect. Well, the, the key core ones are taken care of. What I'm more worried about is uh, to ameliorate or <clears throat> lessen or dampen the effects of uh, the the coronavirus and the, the the pandemic is they are printing off a lot more money and mm. what is that going to have an effect in terms of prices? Now it's interesting how money filters through the economy. It filters different way different economies. Traditionally, under Obama in the United States, we we more than tripled the money supply, but prices did not increase threefold. And under Trump, mm. he doubled that. So sept wow. sextuple septuple whatever, but prices didn't go up 600%. But it in the United States economy, at least, I think most Western economies find the gallon of milk or uh, the price of, uh, or a litre of uh, gas, as you guys like to call it. Uh, that may not have gone up, but asset prices certainly have. And that's my main concern uh, because your number one expense on a personal budget is your housing or your lodging. Mm -hmm. And with all this money, because banks lend money out to only five different asset categories, basically things you can't afford to pay cash for, cars, tuition, uh, housing. Housing has been inflated, inflated. All these things have been inflated. Healthcare has been inflated. Uh, and then that really cuts into people's standards of living because now their rent is higher or their housing costs are higher, things like that. Mm. So the economy, the functioning heart, the functioning mechanics of the economy still seems to keep being going on it's pretty resilient yeah. pretty diversified the economy the internet has allowed us to continue to do work especially within the service sector yeah um i'm more worried about oh oh look government people do something we will print off the money to make people happy bread and circuses i'm like okay yeah. well that's gonna bite us in our ass in about two to three years when housing prices aren't you know which means rent prices are now twice what they are today mm. but i i own a house so i don't care yeah, happy days, happy days. Yeah, yeah. Um, thanks for that sympathy. And, and on that note, of course, in the UK as well, as you know, we've also got Brexit or we've come out of the transition period. Mm -hmm. So we, we're now on a different trading agreement with the, the European Union. And someone very unkindly um, mocked up a piece of fake news here. And I just I bring this up not to uh, embarrass you, but just to just to make everyone aware that this is fake news. Um, I don't know if you can see that, but uh, someone very unkindly. <laughs> What's up? This, this, uh, this, that this Jack who put that up. Who, what, 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 says, what, who are we dealing with? I've got, I've voted leave, but I've got 10,000 sex asses stuck at Calais. And very, very unkindly, they've done a, they, they photoshopped in a picture of you on, a, on that. And I just want to make it clear to the viewers that in you, the you world, it, yes, okay. You, you don't have a bunch of sex asses, uh, piled up at Calais. As far as I not know, 10, I mean, 000, not 10,000, not 10,000. I mean, maybe, <laughs> maybe 5,000, but not 10. No, no, yeah, exactly, exactly. But a little bit of levity there about the potential, you know, red tape issues of bringing stuff into this country, but, uh, but anyway, um, moving on from all of that. So what about minimalism then? Because like I've been quite interested in minimalism, minimalism for a number of years. I think the first place that I encountered it possibly was, I think it was people like Tom Torero, actually, funny enough, who was, who, who was talking about it. And there was this idea, I suppose it also came along a little bit with things like the four hour work week in the sense of you can have an online business and you can do all of this stuff. But also if you kind of live somewhat frugally that, and, and reduce your costs and that can sometimes include going and living in another country, um, then you can live a pretty great life. So, I mean, 
I, I get the sense from sort of knowing you and having some interactions with you that perhaps this has been something that's been somewhat natural to you all your life. But is that the case? How did you first get into it? Yeah, no, it was it was forced. It was like, and we I can even relate this to the red pill a little bit mm. in that I was an accidental alpha and poverty had where, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I need to eat. Now, yeah. if a girl stood me up on a date, I got riotously pissed because I could have gone and made money and and earned and, and, and ate some food. <clears throat> And so what it did is it made me like be very judicious with my time, very frugal with my time. Like you better show up da, 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 da. and if you didn't, so all of a sudden that ended up having the attitude, the girl's like, well, he ain't going to tolerate BS. And so it helped out there. But uh, the flip side of that coin was also because there was no money, became very judicious with my time. And I only could buy and afford the things that I absolutely needed, food, clothing, shelter, things like that. Yeah. And I don't know if, if you had it in Europe or in Britain, um, but we had this thing called uh, uh, Spencer's. And it was like this cool new, like this was in the mall days where you'd go to the mall and Spencer's had all like, you know, the, the Siatsu massage chair and all the yeah. expensive stuff. And, when, as a young man, and by young, I mean teenager, you know, 14 to, <clears throat> you know, 20 something, you're like, oh, wouldn't it be cool to have this and cool to have a car and cool to have that? That was never an option for me. And what I realized by about 21, 22 is that while I'm still here, still breathing, I'm healthy, and I don't have a Corvette and I don't have the Siachu massage thing, the $2,000 recliner. And then it dawned on me that it, it really wasn't the things or the stuff that mattered. It was, it was more like, wow, I, I lived, I'm here, and above all, so I'm free. Um, <clears throat> compounding that, what also kind of, I would guess, cemented the minimalism, <clears throat> I couldn't hold down a job for my life. Mm. Uh, now, mm. I, I did, and I did work in banking, but this is the most corrupt, incompetent, inept industry ever. And there was always that threat of losing your job. So I can never like buy something I want. Oh, I might lose my job. But, uh, and, and which forced me in entrepreneurship as well. Yeah. But having that fear saying like, okay, I'm getting by. I don't need the Corvette. I don't need the toys. I don't, I don't, I don't need the, the master's degree, whatever other luxury people want. And my employment, my income is very insecure. The only solution to this is to get by and spend less. And what it forces you to do is after about eh, 25, 26, you start to realize that all the flash and the cash isn't all that. I had more fun hanging out with my buddies, getting drunk, playing land games, land Halo back in the early 2000s. Yeah. And if you ask me today, if hey, we'll give you a free Ferrari or 10 hours playing with your buddies back in 2000, land Halo. I was like, I'd rather go back, back to the olden days and play it because it was humans that that was the most important thing. And so this forced poverty really cleared, you know, my eyes removed the wool from my eyes was what's important in life. And it isn't the things, it isn't the stuff. And once you realize that, then it's like, okay, what is most important in life? And then as you, you and I have gotten older, we've had conversations about family and children. <clears throat> uh, it, it really puts things into focus as to what is the overall arc and point and purpose in life. And by mm -hmm. God, it ain't stuff and it ain't things. And I'm, I'm, in one regard, the poverty was absolutely horrible. I hated yeah. it, as anyone would. Yeah. Uh, but it made very clear to me very early on what was most important in life. And and for that, I'm thankful. And that's how minimalism, it, it was forced upon me. Uh, yeah. And so that, that's, I didn't choose it. It wasn't like I 
sought the Dalai Lama and like, oh, get rid of all your possessions. Like, well, I kind of like yeah. my possessions, but it was, it was, oh, we don't need all this crap. And that's that's how I was I came about. Yeah, and it's interesting that you naturally came to that conclusion or that insight because I think a lot of us sort of don't really, and even relatively intelligent people, and you talk about this in your course or and in the material that. It's so, well, you talk about genetic, don't you, and societally ingrained materialism. Because mm -hmm. yes. the, first, the first part of it is, is really this conflict between materialism and, and combating materialism, as opposed to becoming a minimalist. So could, would you, maybe you could speak to that a little bit, because it is, it's so ingrained in our culture, isn't it? To buy useless crap you don't need. <laughs> <laughs> no, you need that best, man. Mm -hmm. No, <clears throat> this, this goes beyond culture. This is genetic. Yeah. Uh, and I get a lot of flack. People are told, oh, $500 for a minimalism class. I'm like, dude, do you know how many people would gladly pay 500 bucks to quit smoking or yeah. to quit drinking? You know, so, so there's a psychological component, but I would argue, especially when it comes to materialism, which would be the opposite of minimalism, is that humans are biologically, genetically, evolutionarily programmed to consume more because in the past, that's how we survived. Yeah. And if, if you think about it, you, you put a dog in front of a, a bowl of food, that dog, even if it's a little wiener dog, will eat the whole bowl of food even to the point it's puking because in its hindbrain, it doesn't know where its next meal is coming. Now, <clears throat> we may be humans, we may be a little bit more loftier than dogs, but we still have that same hindbrain, which is why you want to consume. It's there, it's now, who cares if I'm borrowing other people's money to afford it? I need to consume this now because it would have ensured a, a, a larger caloric intake and thus my survival. And mm. so it's really, we have more food than we could ever deal with right, right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But we still overeat. Why? Because it's our genetic compunction to go and eat to survive. And that then applies to materialism. Like, why well, can get these things? I can get those things. And yes, even as short as 200 years ago, that, you know, even uh, the Great Depression, uh, if anyone has any relatives still alive from that era, they would save yarn. They would save, you know, ceramics. They would save all the almost becoming the point of hoarders because they were at that point where they, they needed it. But now, especially with technology, and, and, and I think the economy has reached kind of a new normal. I don't think we're going to go back to that unless there's a war, a true economic collapse. Uh, our, our brains have not evolved as quickly as the economy and technology has. Yeah, yeah, and so it's hard to turn that off. So the exact same uh, forces and effect, genetically speaking, that compel us to eat and overeat and become obese, are the same ones that drive us to be materialists and consume and get the car and this and that and, and things like that. So it really is a psychological battle. It's not just me walking in there whipping my dick, saying "spend less than you make" and then thank you for your five hundred. It's mm -hmm. a deep dive into human psychology and human evolution. Okay, here's what it is, and we're gonna try to reverse engineer you out of it. Yeah, absolutely. And like you say, it's it's just so endemic, isn't it? It's so it's so it's so deep within us. I mean, and this is I mean, the societal elements of this are very strong as well, right? Because obviously, advertising, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, yes. do you think that that's, do you think that that has increased exponentially now that advertising is so much more effective than it was? Because now the algorithms are effectively telling us what we want, or they're almost engineering desire, aren't they? So perhaps it's getting worse. Well, and here's a, here's an interesting aspect to it. Like once you got your food, clothing, and shelter taken care of, and it doesn't matter if that's like through your own marriage or the government takes care of you, what else do you have to live for? And I think the student loan bubble is a perfect example where the, the ultimate luxury good 
uh, second most ultimate luxury good is the idea that you're an intellectual and you have the college experience and you're some how lofty <clears throat> and you will go you know, $150,000 into debt to have this delusion. And so what I think the marketers now are doing is starting to advertise almost philosophies, forget lifestyles. That was more eighties and nineties. Now it's almost a lifestyle. Uh, they're even advertising like you're so delusional, so removed from the real world that big is beautiful and you go girl in the, the test mm. holidays and all that. Or advertising on traits you were born with, which I which brings in a little bit of politics, which I don't like to do. But there is no doubt corporations are marketing, oh, you're X type of person with this type of skin color and that type of gender. Well, here's product, you know, uh, Colin Kaepernick, which I don't know if your European readers know he's a a failed NFL sports uh, quarterback oh, yeah, yeah. and uh, he happens to be half black and he's all like, Oh, the white man keeping me down and all that other stuff. Well, take the politics of the racial out of it. That's a marketing and he sells Nike shoes for whatever, $120 to people who can't afford it. So they're starting to, they're starting to advertise, not just, Hey, buy this fancy gadget or this SUV to be popular. Yeah. You ever have Cavarici pants back in, in Europe in the olden days? Is that, is that a thing? I don't. I don't know if it was. I saw that on your. I looked at the uh, the PowerPoint uh, that you include with the course, and I saw right. that. And I was trying to think. I don't. I'm not sure we did actually. Uh, but well, you you probably had a European equivalent. Yeah, right, we've yeah. moved beyond brand name pants, and now it's a lifestyle. Not, and especially you could see this with women, especially where you go, girl, in careerism, and that's where the corporations are they're, are advertising it. And yes, very much in a sense because. If you had to worry about food, clothing, and shelter, you wouldn't give a flying F about what Sheryl Sandberg yelled out of her ass last week. You'd be like, boy, I hope there's food. You know, I yeah. better clip some coupons, and maybe I better spend some time with the kids. Yeah. We're so beyond that now that, yes, absolutely, it's gone beyond brand name, and now it's like point and purpose and agency and reason and living in life. Yeah. And so, yeah, th yeah. there's definitely a, a materialism there. Yeah, I mean, a little bit later on, you talk ab about the – downsides of a more minimalist lifestyle and one of the things you talk about is loneliness and i and that and existential dread as well to some extent and i mean we can perhaps go speak to that in more detail later but it seems to me that a lot of our materialism is based on wanting something something it's and, and this has been talked about a lot the addictive nature of our society but it feels like we want something to fill the fill that hole fill that void within right and you know, like if you can just go to the stores and buy a lifestyle, you can go and buy. <laughs> right, right. You know, whatever. Then it's sort of like that makes us feel momentarily fulfilled. But then, of course, you get the come down almost immediately afterwards. You buy that thing and then you, you think, oh, and then the next day you're like, oh, actually, was this was this sparkly waistcoat really? I really think it was worth it? that. That particular <laughs> vest was very worth it. Yes, that's I feel I do feel spiritually fulfilled now that I've got this. But I on a on a on a deeper level, I understand that it's not really going to save my soul. I mean, is is, is it, it, it without getting too high for looting? There's almost a spiritual issue here, right? Absolutely, yeah. And it's a problem that an increasing percentage of people are going to face because in the olden days, like I watch. Uh, I got two nieces. I call them Lucifer and Geronimo. They're two little <laughs> little girls, and they they run around. They're girly. They're, they're little kids, and I love them to death. But I watch their parents, and I don't have to deal with them. The parents have to deal with them. <clears throat> the parents are so beleaguered and tired. You can see they're operating at this lower level of Mazel's hierarchy of needs. They got to make make rent. They got to pay for the food. They got to deal with just the time management alone. They don't have time to sit and think. 
what is the point and purpose in life? They're like, I want to take a nap and have a drink. I mean that. And so there's kind of this, um, because of the limited resources throughout human history, very few people got above this, just get by to survive and thank God the day is over. I mean, yeah. hunger was the number one thing 120 years ago. We could barely feed ourselves. Well, now again, technology and all that, that has advanced people to kind of like, well, what do I do esoterically? What's my point and purpose in life? You're not worried about, well, I hope the, the barbarians don't come over the wall. You're immediately, but especially in the in the West, in the first world countries, you are born into relative wealth. You have food, clothing, and shelter taken care of. You are educated at minimum to the age of 18 if you don't drop out. And then you're pretty much financed by the taxpayer to get some kind of advanced degree to think you're intelligent. Now, you advance some idiot kid who's never suffered trials, tribulations, whatever, and they come out at the age of 22 with a degree. They've never struggled. They've never strived. And the number one problem they face in their life is already existential. We've already advanced them beyond 99.9999999% of humans' existence where there's just like, I hope there's not alligators in the water to now like, how do we solve poverty? How do I change? I mean, think of the, not just the arrogance, but how pampered your life has to be that you are a 17-year-old girl and you decide that you're going to major in X to change lives and save the world. Yeah, I mean, you and without going through that trials and tribulations, you don't build up the mind muscles to really think about philosophy and like, what, what, what really is the point and purpose? Of that? You're just immediately spat out like, hey, what's your point and purpose in life? And they don't have that. And so this is an existential crisis that a lot of people face. Now, that doesn't mean there isn't poor people. It doesn't mean there aren't people that go through struggles and, and tribulations in, in the Western world. But when you battle your way up in, from poverty, even if you're in a Western world, to this point, that journey separates you from the mass-produced, bought-and-paid-for suburbanite princes and princesses that never had a, and like, oh, I think I know what I should do. I'll tell the world what to do, journalism majors, political science majors. But if you actually go through that trials and tribulations and you got the battle scars and you've been galvanized into a truly independent-minded philosophical individual who knows the value of life and, and heaven help you if you don't believe in religion. And I'm not, and I'm, I don't, I'm agnostic. But if you don't believe in an afterlife, this is the only thing that matters. And while you're like, holy cow, this is the only party and it's going to end, you are truly alone because there are so few people, especially in the Western world, that had to go through that path, had to come to that true forging of an individual, an individual mind, and to appreciate the time and the finiteness uh, that you have and forget things and, and, and have people. But everybody else is like, you know, I'm a Barbie girl. It's a Barbie world with their master's degree in social work. Yes, Absolutely. And then the problem that a lot of true minimalists who went the path face is there are so few peers and colleagues. And the only thing you have in life is the interaction of other people. If you don't like things or stuff, you got to go to other people because people are the only thing that matters. Like, wow, most people suck. You're a bunch yeah. of NP idiots. And so you you really are truly alone. I I fear that's going to be an increasing problem as technology advances. I mean, we're going to have our recessions and all that. But as technology advances, we're just going to be mass producing these NPCs that all think they're great philosophers. They know how to solve it and change lives and make a difference. Yeah, but yeah. they're still, they're still going to, your true minimalist, the ones who went through, like, for example, Ed Lattimore is one I like to point out as an example. That man went through the trials and tribulations. How many peers does he got, intellectually speaking? And so, yes, there, 
absolutely is going to be a a a, a loneliness aspect as, as this continues. Yeah, yeah, and I see that in friends that that I have who are because in a, in a sense, right? We could frame this as saying, "Listen, guys, if you want to live the like the player lifestyle, if you want to be a guy who goes around and spreads his seed um, and has a great time and meets meets lots of different girls and you know lives a free life, then minimalism is really for you because keep your costs low." Uh, make more money than you earn, don't have unnecessary stuff, don't necessarily be tied down to an in, a particular location, although I, perhaps that's something we can, we can touch on as well. But, you know, have that sense of freedom. Don't allow stuff to own you. And all of that's great on the one hand. And it's certainly great when you're a young guy. And, you know, back in the days when we used to be able to travel, maybe you'd sort of just have a bag and you'd travel around and blah, 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 earn money on the road uh, and have an amazing time. But I know guys who've done that. And I've sort of been on the cusp of that myself at points in my life and what you then the downside of that is that kind of existential dread because then you're sitting in the airbnb on a sunday night in minsk or something you know waiting for the the beautiful girls to turn up for the date and you're sitting there going like is it what is what is the the meaning of of life you know what am i actually doing here and and that is a very very difficult thing that i think a, a lot of guys who who sort of embark on this path i think some guys embark on this path and then they sort of get scared and they kind of turn back because they because it's almost too it's almost too difficult they they're going too far from the herd mm -hmm. well and i think a lot of young men or men in general uh face this choice women do too but i don't think they act on it is in the olden days in the before time society would generally gear around husband wife family that's usually what gave you point and purpose in existence it has been made abundantly clear, especially in the Western world, that women are, not, I want to say not interested. There's a tacit level of interest, but they are not interested in having a family and a husband first. They are more career and, and inward yeah. focusing in on themselves. So this post men, I think this is the first time in the history of humans. I'm, I'm not a historian, but as far as I could tell in my economic research, this is the first time one sex has abandoned the other effectively. And mm. now that poses a question to the other sex. What are you going to do with your life? Yeah. Biologically, obviously the point and purpose of life was to breed and pass on your genetics. And maybe we go to Alpha Centauri and we discover God, but you know, I don't want to get too lofty on people. Uh, but when half the population says, no, I want to get a master's degree and screw you and you're oppressing me and I hate you. And it's like, all right, interesting crossroads we now face. And this is the, the entire point of this economic book is it's an economic decision. Mm. Am I going to keep throwing myself up against the wall or am I going to go and, and, and choose a different life? And so men have been forced with this, uh, not a, the choice has kind of been made for them. Like, all right, sans wife and kids, what am I going to do with my life? Yeah. And so naturally you would say, well, what have men done in the past? Well, we adventure. And so men have gone out, they become digital nomads. Some of them join the military, some of them go to war, um, <clears throat> some go into entrepreneurship. Uh, I think a lot of guys have come on the internet to philosophically find a philosophical home and another, we're trying to find some kind of uh, substitute for point, purpose, and reason aside from our family, which statistically, increasingly, many of us don't have. But yeah. you're not programmed to do that. You might go out a little bit, right? You might have gone off to the colonies or whatever. <clears throat> fight those damn rebels, those colonials. And, and then you would have come back to a wife and kids. Uh, but when they go out there, young men, all men are not programmed to like the digital nomad lifestyle is not normal. That's not genetic. 
Um, <clears throat> a lot of the guys that do go to these uh, Southeast Asia want to end up becoming alcoholics because they don't have an existential. You're just, well, okay, you're, you're there in Phuket doing the same thing you would have done in London or Berlin yeah. or, or New York. It's just, yeah. it's a different culture. And so I could see where they end up going back, but what are you going back to? And, and unfortunately there's no answer. I mean, you're not going back. You're going back to fat bloated drunk gals, you know, passing out. And we see them in the daily mail where they're passed out in Birmingham or whatever streets they got mm. going on over there. Mm. Um, so it's, and it, it, I don't think we've, well, I, speculate we have not been at this situation before so i don't have an answer but i i do have at least some guidance in that well look you're gonna die and if there's an afterlife or not is to be determined but while you're here and now at least make accounts so i feel i think that men are compelled to go and capitalize on what time they have explore maybe they come back but i, I think they're also listless when they come back to the home country because there is no welcoming culture or let alone a, a pro-marriage, pro-family structure when they get back. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, but you, of course, famously decided fair, fairly early, as a fairly young guy, that you weren't going to, you know, have children. That that wasn't going to be the, the path for you. So mm -hmm. you've sort of, and that that's an interesting choice. And I know that you've you've made videos about it and talked about this in the past. But some guys, I think, would perhaps have difficulty understanding that because essentially you are. You, you, you haven't found you. You haven't found yourself. For, well, maybe you were, but you you haven't necessarily found yourself forced into that position. That, that was a conscious choice that you made. I mean, how did you make that choice? Was that looking at the the data at that time and thinking, well, this is actually this is this is best for me, or was it just how you felt and what you? It, it was purely an, an internal is how I felt, and um, I'm not normal. Um, I mean, I was barely getting by, and I was, but I was good. <laughs> I was a ballroom dance instructor. I was an okay looking. I didn't quite have the hair you did, but I was okay. And uh, I had I had significant success with women, and I had one too many pregnancy scares. And I was like, dude, I'm working as a security guard and a ballroom dance instructor part time. Some yeah. gal landed me with a kid. It was purely simple survival. And we can philosophically discuss progeny and future genetics and pass on the generation. If you can't take care of yourself. Because you got a kid, you can't take care of another kid, and that would have just been a, a death blow to me. And yeah. So that's why I had it. I also don't want to have kids. Uh, that was genetically beat out of me. I just don't want to deal yeah. with children, yeah. uh, and some you know different. But I'm certainly in the minority there. Most men do probably want to have kids and and pass on their genetics, but but yeah. not me. But that wasn't a point in that earlier stage that you thought, oh, but maybe one day you, you no. were pretty certain. Yeah, no, yeah. And that's why I say I'm odd because it, I don't want to woe is me. And go, my, my childhood was not fun. And I don't think yeah. you can be one. I don't think you can be an effective father if you come from a dysfunctional family. I don't think you can be an effective father if you had a, a broken childhood. Um, but if you have a bad childhood, and this is, I've never understood single moms, but like, man, I don't want to have kids. Like that was just, that was just, bad it was yeah. bad and i knew more mouths to feed i could do the math at a very young age and so it was more just i'd like to eat i'm not even kidding even to this day at 46 i'm like wow i get to eat sushi you know like it's mm. a and and it's not gonna bankrupt me or wow i get to pull over to the quick trip and get myself a sandwich you know and i don't have to worry about filling up a tank of gas or fill only two gallons of gas because that's all i got uh i it, it's a that is because of my background. That has yeah. nothing to do with the vast majority of the population. Yeah, ab absolutely. And I, I take that on board because I think you're right. I think most guys actually, when it comes down to it, they probably do want that. And that does become 
a source of meaning for them. But for those who either don't or those who for, for some reason feel that they've been excluded from, from that, and there are plenty of them on those uh, shows that go on for six hours on a Saturday night, um, then this, this question of meaning does become very fraught, doesn't it? Um, right. I, and, and by the way, it's interesting that like minimalism is often associated with not necessarily having much money, but that doesn't need to be the case. You can be rich and minimalist. I mean, James Altucher famously went through a period of being a, being a minimalist and living out of a bag. And I know a couple of guys, one of, one of my friends is, is living a fairly minimalist lifestyle and he hasn't got a lot of money. But I know another guy, or I know through, through a friend, this other guy who's actually very wealthy and he's making a lot of money from more or less sort of passive, passive income or online income. And he's kind of living in hotels, living in five-star hotels, airport, you know, fancy airport lounges and stuff like that. And he's constantly going through this existential crisis of like, what the hell am I, you know, what the hell am I doing? My single serving friends on the plane and all, all of that. Um, but I think that you make a very good point in the course, which is about people and friendship and getting down to the nub of this meaning of life. I mean, it, it's, Ultimately, it has to be other people, right? That's that's the thing. It has to, right? <clears throat> because uh, I'm trying to think. What do I got here? Uh, let's take this this cell phone. This is an amazing. I know it's a flip phone, but it still is, in the grand scheme of things, an amazing piece of technology. It blasts a signal up to a satellite orbiting around the Earth, and it allows me to communicate in all this. You are much more interesting than this, because this is a finite thing, right? It's it, it's abided by uh, uh, laws of physics. It's physically encapsulated within a set amount of plastic. There's electronics and metal in it, but it's a finite thing. The brain of Troy Francis is infinite. Well, this is, <laughs> well, disagree, but, um, I don't I mean know, in a I good way. I don't mean, I'm saying you could make bad decisions too. It's just like, oh, what's Troy Francis going to do? I don't know, but I can almost guarantee you that when I flip this up and hit the on button, it's going to go on. But, but this is because I want that to do that. And, as a another human being, there's nothing else but other humans' minds to engage in, uh, ultimately. And this is why I, I, I give the example again, like you could give me a Ferrari or you could give me 10 hours back in 2000 playing a LAN Halo game with my buddies. I, I'd take the LAN Halo game. Yeah. Simply because you could pick on your buddy. The idea of humor or a joke, um, like, uh, like for example, we were uh, you were on the show with, with, with was Rule Zero. And I said, everybody has a point and purpose in life. Sterling Cooper, he's a porn star. Uh, uh, John Fitch, he's an MMA fighter. And Ryan Stone, he's a nice guy. Now, <laughs> if, if Ryan Stone was this phone, he wouldn't get the joke. And if everybody else did, they wouldn't get the But we got humor. We got, we got emotions. We got and, and, mm. and, and sparring and, and, and fun. And, and, and you can buy all the shit in the world you want. You're never going to get a zinger on Ryan Stone like that again. You know, it's just, and that is to me the life. And that, you know, and I'm not giving away too much of the, of, of the, of the seminar. It's, it's incorporating that. That's the hard part. But once you get to that point, once you're like, yeah, you can have all the stuff in the world, have five-star hotels, first-class service, have everything served. I, I think a lot of these guys are like the pioneers, like Daniel Boone and whatnot. They're going out into the, into the wilderness where we've never gone before and testing the, the limits of particularly male, but I'd say human psychology. Like what is it like to be in a post scarcity world where look, let's admit this is not a real job. You and I are not slaving away in the coal mines here. We could do this from wherever you could go to 
Ibiza, have a grand old time. The yeah. human humans have not been here before. Yeah. And I think yeah. there's going to be, a, for all the goodness that it is, there is some uh, difficulties in even, forget adapting, even comprehending it. And absent of other peers and colleagues that are out doing the same thing, especially of the female persuasion, there is going to be loneliness. You are starting to test the limits of human psychological experience, and there is absolutely going to be drawback. And that's why, yeah, there is loneliness. The guy could have all the opulence around him. He could even have a prostitute come. You have FEMA, but it's not a human interaction. Mm. And so that's where it's like Elon Musk. I think he went minimalist. Uh, Altashire, he he went minimalist for a little bit. You know, I got I got enough money. I, I don't. I'm not rich by any means, but you could give me two million dollars. <laughs> I'm still gonna have a, a hand-me-down fleece. I'm still gonna get my used car. My motorcycle still gonna be the same. But by God, I'd pay, I'd pay, if I anything, if I had $2 million, I'd pay my mortgages of, of some of my key best friends so they'd be free and we could go hang out again. That's, if anything, yeah. I'd, you know, I'd do with it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And bringing it a little bit topically, obviously, one of the key things about the lockdown situation has been this lack of human contact, hasn't it? Yeah. That seems to be the most damaging thing. And I mean, you know, like for me... It, it it does bring it into quite close focus what you actually value. I mean, I go to some I go to some meetings with like minded people who've drunk a bit too much in the past and they don't like to drink anymore. Um, and um, back in back in March and April, all of that was closed down in the UK because because everything was closed. And since then, they they were allowed to reopen and there are certain restrictions and things like that. But nevertheless, they they're allowed to reopen. And also as well, churches. Now I'm not a, I'm not a, a, a formally religious guy uh, i'm agnostic like like you but i have attended a couple of services recently with my girlfriend over over christmas and and one of the terrible things as well that happened during lockdown here was that places of worship were closed down for a, for a long period of time and even though i'm not a regular churchgoer i again it's that people were making the argument you know what while you can do meetings and you can do services over zoom and all of that stuff and it does work to a point you haven't got that 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 sense of when people come together, have you? And it's it's just so important in terms of how we are as as animals. Well, it, no, you're 100 correct because I had this idea called podcast pastor. I still have this idea called podcast mm. pastor. It's good sermons every Sunday on the internet. Blah blah blah. And I try to get my old man who was a pastor. I'm like, Dad, put together these sermons. Oh no! And the re one of the main reasons he, but among other pastors, gave as to why that wouldn't work is fellowship. Yes. And humans, hum, we're not, this is not normal. This is not how we were supposed to interact. We're supposed to be out on the battlefield killing the French. Because screw the French. I don't know why you guys Damn have right. a hate boner for the French and why <laughs> the French have a hate boner for, but my studying of European history, you guys hate each other. Maybe Damn Spain right. got involved, the Dutch every once in a while. Um, <clears throat> no, you you need that that human interaction because humans are, are social creatures. Uh, but yes, absolutely with, with this COVID thing, um, it's provided a very... Interesting yet, unfortunately, horrible, uh, sad uh, scientific experiment on the human mind yeah. where we see just how important it is for humans. And I, I kind of have this dream or this hope that this might like come when they give the all clear. We're all going to go hug each other and maybe understand different viewpoints. And, you know, Democrats hug Republicans, Labor hugs Tories. I have a feeling people are going to still be looking at their phones. And it's I don't think we're going to learn anything from this because we're all yeah. plugged in. One thing that it made very clear to me, though, was when I think about when I look at all of the things that are being closed down or that, you know, and potentially there's going to be more stuff closed down in the UK tonight, for example. 
what it came down to, I realized, was that actually I can kind of live with most things being closed. I mean, it's nice when the when the cafes are open. It's nice when the bars are open. It's, I prefer the theaters and the restaurants to be open. But in the end, the thing that really gets me personally is if those if those if those meetings are, are, are closed down, right? Because because ultimately the important thing is not if I can go and buy an overpriced coffee or a stupid vest or whatever. The important thing is are you going to be able to commune with other with other human beings? And it was really weird actually because like the first two months of that lockdown and really only seeing a handful of people, you know, who I was living with and all the rest of it. And um, and then when we were sort of finally allowed out, we were like. We were like prisoners, like being let. Did you ever see that Alcatraz movie with Gary Oldman when he's like, they let him out once a year and he gets to walk around on the roof and he, he sort of lets him out into the sunlight and he's got this big beard and he's like blinking, no. like looking, you know, it was kind of like that. And just that deprivation of human contact is, is, is such a, is such a, a profound thing. And I think it underlines your point that actually this is, and this, and we, sh we shouldn't forget that, right? Because this is the most important thing in the end. Well, what you're really hitting on is what gives a human value. Um, mm. I've gone into this philosophically uh, in a book I wrote called How Not to Become a Millennial. And yep. I, I, I give the example, let's say you're the greatest music composer in the universe and you compose the world's, the universe's greatest music piece and you put it on the planet of Mars. If nobody sees it, does it matter? Yeah. And I think what we're realizing with uh, it, it's not to be a selfish thing either, but you really don't exist unless other people acknowledge and validate your existence. And I, again, I want to make a very clear delineation. I'm not saying I'm the center of the universe, but do you really exist if another human doesn't talk to you? Like if, if this mm. phone, like you see these post-apocalyptic shows or movies uh, and everyone thinks, oh yeah, it'd be great to have Ferraris. We drive around. I think there was even a comedy at one time. You know what would happen? You put a bullet in your head by day two because there's no humans. Fine, you got all the world's wealth and all the world's assets at your disposal, assuming gas would even stay good that long. Without another human being to ping off of you to say, hey, yeah, like I throw a joke and people laugh. Cool. I exist. Um, I hit on a girl. She giggles, laughs at my jokes. I exist. And, yeah. you know, even you, I punch somebody, he gets pissed off. He punches me back. Okay. It didn't, didn't feel good, but I exist. And I think you need that human interaction, especially since we've, our entire existence has been within each other's purview. Like it's not over yeah. the internet. You need to pick up on those biological cues and clues that like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm validated. I am here because frankly, if, if you don't exist and no one acknowledges you, you don't exist. You, you might as well yeah. not exist as a sentient human being. Yeah, absolutely. And yet, on another level, isn't it almost considered to be the the ultimate, the, the, the old guy who grows the long beard and he's become so philosophical and he's become so spiritual and okay in himself that he can go and live in a, wood, in a cabin in the woods and he's fine. He doesn't need other people because he sort of worked out the truth. I mean, is, isn't that in some way something that people almost aspire to? Because, you, you know, you've reached this level of transcendence where you don't need human contact, but, it, but is, is that a thing or is that just totally unrealistic? Well, it's called nihilism and um, what's his name? Who's the guy that came up with that? Uh, the philosopher with the mustache. Um, Nietzsche. Nietzsche. All right. I, I think that's a reaction to the sheep uh, of the mass, the masses uh, mm -hmm. where, and, and keep in mind to get to that level, you probably have to have had other things taken care of. You can't be worried about your little nieces and running around and are we going to make rent? 
But there yeah. are some people that get to that point, and, and older men, obviously, older women, I guess, too, uh, where things are kind of taken care of. They've gotten their domain. We have the Greek philosophers that, that uh, come up with that. Uh, but I think that's more of a reaction where it's like, I, I do believe they came to happen upon finiteness, that this is going to end, and we mm. got to make it count. And then when you realize how many people are not coming along with you or are distracted with stupid stuff like materialism, worthless degrees, uh, faux uh, philosophies, faux intellectualism, even even religions that are, are cults, uh, you're like, hey, it, it's other humans that matter. And then when you go out there, and not to mention all the other people who are just getting by and don't have time for your esoteric BS, they just got to put food on the table for the kids. Yeah. You, again, we start getting to that loneliness. And so if you ever read uh, Thus Spake Zarathustra, which is, mm. I, I just didn't like it. I, I, I'm not a big fan. There's something weird about Nietzsche. But the point still remains. He come, he's this philosopher. He comes down off the mountain and he's right. But the 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 bread and circus people mock him. Mm. And so I, I think it, it's, there'll be more of these people as their food, clothing and shelter needs are met. Uh, but they're, those are the, the statistical oddities, uh, but they're right. They are right. Like, Hey, you know, but I still don't think for a while you could go and sit in your hermit kingdom, but inevitably you're going to want to find other philosophers. You're going to want to find other people. Uh, yeah. so the, the, the quiet monk sitting up at the Tibetan uh, monastery, certainly that's, that's a thing, but inevitably, I don't know. And maybe they knew something I didn't, but I didn't inevitably have to seek out other people. Uh, yeah. I absolutely would. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think I find it very hard to, to, to go into that complete isolation uh, that they're talking about. So in the second part of the course, you start you talk about minimalism in practice and sort of how to be minimalist. And to be clear, you're not just talking about stuff here, are you? I mean, stuff is a big part of it, but it's not it's not just stuff, is it? It's also mental clarity and, and so on and so forth. Right. All resources. So All if, resources. Somebody, if somebody feels like my life's just bloated. I've got too much stuff. I'm just like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like cluttered. I mean, how, how does one go from a position of materialism to becoming more minimalist, you know, d d intentionally starting to live a life more on a, on a, in a purer way? Well, you need a philosophical incentive. Like you need an overall arching goal. You need to understand that goal. And we've argued it's the love of your fellow man and, and point and purpose in life or family or something like that. So that, you don't really even care anymore, but it's also like kind of fake it till you make it a little bit was like, okay, maybe you don't have a point and purpose in life. Maybe you're still trying to figure that aspect out, but here are some concrete things that you can do <clears throat> to get rid you know, to achieve minimalism. Um, mm. and maybe going through the motions will help you, you know, like exercise will help you attain that. But yeah, you got to get, get rid of your, you have, you're cluttered. Yeah. Think about how much that costs you, not just in money, Okay, a car costs you money, clothes cost you money, things cost you money. But think about the clutter and the stuff. It 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 taxes you. It takes away from your mental sanity. Like right now, I'm in a one bedroom apartment because my house is being built. It drives me effing nuts because I got yeah. all this crap. You know, I, I look like a hoarder. I look like I'm living in some disheveled place, and I am. But that's only a temporary thing. Uh, but it mm. still takes a toll. I still pay a price. Um, yeah. <clears throat> if you have all these things and. I, I talk about in the seminar, I, I give the example of the prestige, which is a development that a buddy of mine lives in. All the guys there are living paycheck to paycheck, financing a McMansion in this high end development, two cars, and usually a boat or some kind of off-road vehicle. 
and they're miserable. They're just the, yeah. the psychological, forget the money. It's the psychological toll. And so I go through six different resources that every person has is what money, time, mental energy, emotion, all this other stuff. Uh, these are resources you have. Even Rich in his latest book goes about uh, the number of fucks to give. Like <laughs> giving a fuck is calculated mental energy. It's caloric energy. And yeah. it directly affects your life. Now, you have all these resources, money, time, psychological, mental, all these other resources. Are you going to piss it into the wind? Are you going to worry about Are you going to expend it on these things? And so it not only uh, focuses on getting rid of your material. I'm like, I'm a clutter bug. Well, I guess you should go take a trip to Goodwill or start tossing things in the garbage. You know, like if you haven't used it in three years, and I go through some practical, you know, like if you haven't touched it in a year, toss it, that kind of thing. But you also have to take inventory of your entire life. Like what stresses you out? Like people with their commutes. Like are you, are you, if you commute more than 15 minutes, you're a moron. You are an effing idiot. And unless you're paid a gob of money. And if you're, if you're not paid enough to live closer to work, then go ask for a raise because it's not worth it. But the number, especially in California and New York and other populated, they're, they're commuting two, two and a half hours a day. I mean, that's time. That's And it's, it's taxes. So you have to take a holistic, and I hate to use that word. You have to take a holistic approach to your life and look at it and say, okay, where am I expending more? We could use it as a unit of measurement. Fucks could be mental, financial, whatever. Yeah. Where am I expending more fucks than I'm getting back in return? And you'd be shocked, probably about 90% of your exchange is inefficient. You're getting less back than what. And so it does take this holistic, not only financial and practical, but also philosophical, mental, psychological uh, approach as well. Yeah, I mean, we overcomplicate our lives, don't we? That's what it comes down to. And that is partly by having too much stuff, but it's also by engaging with the wrong people as well, right? Getting right. into relationships with the wrong people. It's very damaging. If you, you're bringing toxic people into your life or people who are just taking up too much of your mental headspace, et cetera. Yeah. And for men, the number one cause of that's going to be women. Although sometimes you run into the wrong crowd. All of a sudden you're living a life of crime. That's going to take a lot of time out of you. But I think especially with men, because we're obviously drawn to women uh, and given the programming upbringing women have had, they are going to usually be net negative. They're going to be vampires of, I guess, energy. Or resources mm -hmm. uh, for, for, a, for a better word. So you have to very clearly judiciously choose any person you're going to have in your life, any employer you're going to have in your life, any coworkers, business partners. But the number one thing usually is who are you going to, I wouldn't even say date, you can date anyone, but who are you going to be emotionally vested into? You better make sure it's a good gal because that, that's, yeah. that's your number one loss right there. Yeah. I mean, the work thing is a nightmare actually, because I, I realized some years ago when I was in corporate work, I was fighting all of these battles and I was fighting all of these battles internally on my side in my company because there was a terrible toxic work culture and people were being assholes and all the rest of it. And it occurred to me when I would go home at the end of the day and think back over my day that none of this stuff mattered one iota in terms of my actual life and what I actually wanted to do within my life. It was all just, it was this huge expenditure of energy for stuff that was stupid and pointless and, and and anyway had nothing to do with any goals or aspirations that I might personally have had now I was fortunate because I was able to pull myself out of that situation but that is a terrible place to be isn't it where you're and I, I would imagine a lot of people end up in that situation at some point where you are doing stuff you're on a hamster wheel and 
you don't even want to be on the wheel, let alone, you know, it's not like, oh, I'm on this hamster wheel, but I, but I hope it goes well for me. It's like you don't really even want to be on the damn wheel. Mm. So, well, well and, that, and that's it. That was one of the hugest psychological tolls and prices I've ever paid in my life was working in banking. And I don't know yeah. if you guys knew this. All the banks got bailed out. Why? Because they were wrong. I was right. I'm not even being arrogant about that. I'm being 100% accurate. Like the corruption in not just that industry, but there's other industries. You could have a sadistic boss, but if your work life sucks, I'm not saying it's supposed to be roses and everything else, but eight hours a day, five days a week. I don't know how you come back from that mentally or psychologically. Yeah. And so with, with minimalism, it's like, you know, and this is why I always had a side gig and people make fun of me for working security or teaching dance classes on the side or finance classes. But if I ever had a toxic, like a genuinely toxic environment, a sadistic boss, an immoral boss, an illegal boss, one of, one of the bankers I worked with, the, the FBI ended up raiding one of his clients. Mm -hmm. um, you don't have to deal with that. You can walk away. And, but if you got a car payment, and you went to Middlebury for $250,000 of student loan for your sociology degree, and you have a McMansion, and wifey poo has her own, you're a slave. You have to endure this sadistic boss or this toxic work environment, and life is too short for that. And so it, it's, it really is like as long as you can get by. I have a crap car. It, it's just a crap car. I've always had crap cars, and I've never had debt outside of a mortgage, and it was always nice, always good for my sanity that if any point in time, a boss got too sadistic. I could leave. And yeah. I'm fortunate. Oh, I didn't make the six figures. I didn't work at wall street, but you got to commute two hours to go to a place you hate, endure people that hate you that are backstabbing you. And you got to suck it up and play nice because you got so much debt. And so that is that, that, uh, the work life is absolutely huge and critical to a minimalist lifestyle. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, it's just, that stuff is just is just horrendous, and you need to find ways to 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 get out of it um, if you possibly can. And I think, do you think that everybody? Do you think that there's always a way out, or do you think that some people? I mean, what if what if somebody's watching this and they they've got a they've got a lot of overheads, they've got a big family, they've got a big mortgage, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and they're like, I'm desperate to, to change my life, but I feel trapped. Is there is there a way out, or I mean, no, no. I've I've done several consults where people come up to me. I have three kids. No, 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 no. I'm like, well, I guess you're fucked. Mm -hmm. you, you, the answer, the solution is you're going to suffer. That's the solution. Some people can pigeonhole themselves into a, a into an unrecoverable. I mean, everything's recoverable unless you kill yourself. But <clears throat> they will put themselves at a position like if you go into student loan debt for a worthless degree, don't come to me. There's nothing I can do. If you have kids you can't afford, no, it's too late. Now, by default, you're going to have to be minimalist. That's your only way out of it. But uh, this is why you implore, and it's it's a paradox, you, me, and our industry, you know, we're old timers. How do we get someone half our age or a third our age to listen to us so they have lives way easier? Well, we don't because they're, they're 14, 15, 16-year-old kids. Um, but it, it, the, the prevention that minimalism affords you is way more cheaper uh, than the than the treatment. Yeah. And so I, I, you know, if you're in, you're in a shit situation, I'm sorry, not my problem. I guess you, dumb mistakes have consequences, and you will pay the price. Maybe you get mm -hmm. bailed out. Maybe the government comes in, uh, but for the most part, no, you're screwed. And and, and the, my rule number one: don't get don't put yourself in a screwed position. That's it. And then and then life is not going to be that bad for you. Yeah, exactly. And that's the value of a lot of 
this type of content. Hopefully, people will pick up on it when they are in a position where they can make choices, right, mm -hmm. and not and not go down a road that's going to take them into a tricky situation. Having said that, Backland Bob is saying it's fascinating. Being married though has me skeptical. I don't disagree. I, I don't think he's talking about this just this content. I think he's talking mm -hmm. about like red pill content. Um, I noticed red pill guys are all married and aping red pill. I still see them marry after etc. I mean, well, I mean, that's not entirely accurate, but I mean, you obviously, you, you, you have a partner. You, I believe you, mm -hmm. you, you live with her. I, I think I, I see this kind of criticism quite a lot from, from this uh, chat, Backland Bob, but also other guys who say, oh, these red pill dudes, but, but they're in relationships, man. So, you know, a, a, a it's sort it of should a, tell you something. Well, it, it, it's sort of a, a, it's sort of a scam and B, are they not taking their own advice? But I don't think that the, I, I personally don't believe that the, the the takeaway from all red pill content should be all right. Just go MGTOW, which is kind of what they're saying. Mm -hmm. Why don't we all just go MGTOW? I don't. I don't think that's the case. I think it's. I think it's making. I, I think it's having a, making informed decisions and perhaps going in with some foresight. But is that something you can talk around a little bit? Because people, because obviously you are, you know, you're cohabitating, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And here, here's the thing. I mean, if you ever tune into Rule Zero and you and me, uh, mm. we all old. Uh, and Very you know, old. maybe my Myron Gaines, his balls just dropped. He got his first pubes last week, you know, so there's a younger guy like Myron. God bless you, Myron. Uh, but they're older guys and you know, Rolo, you, me, Rich has even got a girl, uh, Ryan stone. Um, yes. and what it boils down to is you get sick and tired of the game. You get sick and tired of dating. You get sick and tired of, of going and asking girls out just to get laid and, Day, and you know what? Then some, if you keep going out there and you, you keep putting yourself out there, you will find not a great gal, but a gal that's good enough. And my gal, uh, she cooks. She's an accountant. She's got great finances. Uh, and of course, there's problems, of course. Like, there's a parking space there. No shit, bitch. I see it. I'll park where I damn want. I mean, but these are small compared to like a bipolar girl. Or girls standing you up, or girls who fail to mention that they're married. And uh, Troy, you've dated enough. You have a girl. I, it's like you get tired. You just get old, and you want to retire from the effing game. Like, and I've I've had conversations with my girlfriend before, and she's like, "Well, would you ever find it?" I'm like, "Oh hell no! I'm not, I'm not going back. I'm not. No. But you are. You're not. You're not married, though, are you? No, because there's no reason. The legal risks are yeah, not worth it. Yeah. So that, that's that's one point that, that's worth making. And actually, Ryan isn't married. I'm not married. I mean, Rollo is married, but you know, he's he's a he's, he's got a nice wife though. She's nice. He's girl. got a great wife. Um, but I, yeah, I, I I saw some criticism from. I actually, this is perhaps applies more to me than than you because if you if you've been somebody who's who does game content. And then you've got a girl. You guys are like, yeah, man, well, he must be rubbish at game because otherwise, why would he have a girl? He'd just be out there slaying it every night. But it's but 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 it's like, well, no, it's not really like that because you get to your 40s, man, and you're like, you know, that's not necessarily the lifestyle that you want to live. I mean, it might be um, for, for periods of time, but it's not necessarily the lifestyle you want to live the whole time. Mm. And also as well, you also get hoisted on the petard of if you don't have a have a girl, then they'll say, well, look at him. What a failure. He can't even get a, a long-term relationship. So you're kind of damned one way or, or damned the other way, aren't you? Um, I, I, I wouldn't worry about it because, look, we're old. And I don't mean that in a pejorative way. I mean that, like, we're experienced. We've been down yeah. this road. Now, <clears throat> one thing I really appreciate about Myron, he's a younger guy, and he's more on the front lines of the younger generation. So it's all online and Instagram and all those other type of things. But this doesn't mean that the, the 
fundamental dynamics between men and, men and women have changed. Know that, dude, I'll take advice. If I was smart when I was 20, I would have listened to 40-something-year-old guys like us about Dane who went out and hit on girls, who is a professional pickup artist, who did go ballroom dancing, who who, who dated hundreds of women. So because, okay, there's got to be some some kind of knowledge there. Uh, but, you know, it's like, all right, if people want to, you know, Monday morning quarterback or armchair coach, you're like, fine, let them go. I, I don't really care about it. Uh, but I know what I did. I've, I've gone out. I've done the, the trials and tribulations. I have the experience when I speak, you know, I say, Hey, you ought to consider this about dating or approaching. That's some wisdom there. Maybe it was from 1997, but there's some wisdom there. And, and I don't, I don't want to even worry about it. I mean, you got that vest anyway, so I wouldn't care what anybody says about it. Exactly, man, exactly. <laughs> well, I, yeah, the fundamental dynamics of male-female in interactions haven't changed. I mean, of, of course, there are things with Instagram and stuff like that. But um, anyway, I'm not, I'm not here to showcase my, you know, uh, curriculum vitae, if you like. But I'm just saying it's, it's kind of – but when you bring it back to, to, to minimalism, nevertheless, there is a, a key point here, again, about the people that you bring into your life and the, and the nature of the relationships you have with people. And it's not as simple as, I mean, I don't think anybody's saying, well, nobody, certainly as far as the rule zero family is concerned, is saying, yeah, just jump into, you know, jump into marriage or something like that. I mean, obviously not. I think I think what the content is designed to do is to say, look, these are our experiences. These are some of the pitfalls. With Do, do with that what you will. But to expect people to be going into their 40s, 50s and 60s as if they are Myron Gaines is is unrealistic, I think. Right. Yeah. It's, 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 so from the perspective of the minimalist course, it's, it's got to be right about being very selective about the people that you allow in, right, and you allow close to you. Right. Well, and then, and and as well as like, where are you going to go and meet people? The number one investment men are going to make is the pursuit of women. <clears throat> Younger people, you know, obviously you have to have very good Instagram game. Not kidding. It's Instagram. Uh, but at the same time, when you look at the numbers and crunch the numbers, like you're going to have to you think I happen to still believe in the old school. I think your approach in person, I think in person game, once COVID is released is, is going to be much more effective where you approach a girl in person. She's shocked. Someone's talking to her in the real world. Uh, but your your the amount of time you're going to invest in either of these endeavors. It has to have a positive return on investment. And then you also have to choose the right type of gals as well. And so mm. I, it's I'm, the vast majority of my dates were like one dates and that was it. Either her or I didn't want to have anything to do with each other. You got to get, you got to filter through it, but absolutely. You don't, have you ever dated a bipolar girl? Did you ever have your bipolar girl? Never. I mean, I, I've, I've dated plenty who I imagine would have met that description. Yeah. I don't mm. know about specific diagnosis, but I've, I've certainly dated plenty of nutty uh, women for sure. Right. Being able to identify a girl like she's late or she's throwing up her food or she won't have, yeah. you got to identify, you know, and, and Rich has a ton of flags. He, he chronicles that you can look up and knowing to pass just to leave, to, to skip that one. Uh, that that's absolutely critical to saving your resources and being a minim uh, minimalist. Yeah. A hundred percent. Also as well, another point that you make, very forcibly, which is absolutely true, is we don't live to work. And the what do you think about the forgetting about corporate work? But what do you think about the Gary Vaynerchuk crush it type lifestyle? You know, you should be posting seven thousand times a day on social media, oh, you no. should, you know, all that kind of thing. I mean, how, how do you how do you? I mean, like, where where are you in terms of the hustle? You know, in terms of the just grind. You know, grind twenty four. You know. 15 hours a day. It, I'd be a hypocrite if I said I don't, but I do only because that's my life. 
Um, and there's nothing else to do. I mean, you're in COVID, you're in lockdown. I mean, it, it's like, I got my phone. This is more interesting than me looking at the fat chick in the line, you know, it's so you're, and it's intellectually stimulating what we're here, but truthfully, yeah. I hate social media. Um, I always say that if I got $2 million, you probably never see me again and I'd go away and I'd just, you know, raise sheep and have a vineyard. I don't know. Um, but I'm also, uh, it's somewhat unfair for me to critique this or that, that kind of approach, because I've been doing this since 2004 when blog first came out, I, I had a blog and I've followed every yeah. platform since. So I have this legacy TikTok. investment. Huh? Are you, are you going to go big on TikTok this year? No, no, I don't know. I'm not going to, I mean, I might, but I, I got enough to deal with. Uh, you know, Rich was like, Hey, you should get an Amazon uh, influencer account. I'm like, Oh, okay. And then, I try to apply and there was two minutes wasted because they immediately said, you don't qualify. I'm like, damn it, there's two minutes. Uh, <clears throat> at, at this age, and I've been in it for what, 16, 17 years, uh, the social media stuff, I uh, I've laid the foundation and put in the time early on. So now I'm obviously yeah. getting the benefits. So obviously I could come from the lofty position of like, no, don't put in the hustle. But mm -hmm. if you're younger or just starting out, yeah, you, you have to kind of do that. You have to write you know, you have to produce content pretty much every day, something good and quality. You have to think about it. You just can't throw up shit and crap. You got to throw up, you know, quality posts, quality pictures, whatever your, your content is. Um, yeah. yeah. You, you do have to put in your dues, uh, up front and early. Um, I'm just wondering if the market is now so flooded with everyone being an influencer and everyone, you know, I want to be a YouTuber or, or whatever else. I don't know. I, I still think you should all major in engineering and, and pursue this as a side. But if, if you're serious about it, you got to stick with it. And you got to put together uh, consistent material. Uh, to point out a perfect example, even though I hate to compliment the man, uh, Jack Napier. Mm. Um, you know, he's this young guy. He just hit puberty too recently. <laughs> and uh, he, he, he contacted us and he picked on us and he, he made memes and he, and, and also he does a regular show red evening with him and Rob says, and even though it's, maybe it's not your cup of tea, he consistently, but he's been doing it for two years now. Well, now he's gaining traction, but I yeah. rarely see that level of dedication among people. And then all, oh, by the way, he has another daytime job. He doesn't just like, oh, I need my mom to pay for stuff. So I, I believe you should put forth effort into any kind of, you know, once you find your passion, you enjoy it. Yes, go and do it. But the social media thing, no, I I, I, I really want to unplug. I, I do yeah. want to retire. I mean, I'll, I'll always do a podcast. I'll always do this. I'll always have books, but not to this level. Not, yeah. You know, it, yeah. Do you think everyone should or every man should be self-employed or should seek to be self-employed? Or are there no. circumstances when they shouldn't? There, you should always see it. It's the ideal world, but not everyone's cut out for that. There are some guys like they're just great corporate guys. There was this one kid I had. He was just he had he had your hair. Uh, he had I he, life. He just had it, man. He had what was it. And he had this gorgeous girlfriend and she was a CPA and he was a CPA and he was getting promoted. And I was like, there's a calling for guys like that. You know, there's there's some guys I got another buddy. He's great in sales. He's a moron. He's an idiot. I know him personally, but he's just, he's got that charm and he could sell you anything. So yeah. there's, you know, some guys are born soldiers and, and then there are some entrepreneurs, but for your rank and file, I think every man should at least maybe dabble mm. or come up with a plan B or have like maybe a little bit of a side or at least evaluate it. But 
entrepreneurship is not for everyone. Ideally, yes, you wouldn't answer to anyone, but mm. that's not the real world. There, there has to be some uh, W-2 employees. We can't all be 1099ers. Yeah, and there are certain things you can do, particularly in this day and age now as well, like try to negotiate for working from home, right, fewer right. hours, more flexibility. Maybe you can work from even a different country and stuff like this. I mean, there's, there's things you can do now mm-hmm. to, yeah. to, to mitigate the, the cost. Right. It, oh, if you could get out of the physical office, you've already improved your life by 80% because you're yeah. not commuting. You're not dealing with Karen. There's no gossip. There's no one hawking over your shoulder. I mean, you could just get your work done, mail it in, and you're done. Yeah, no, that that's a, one of the few silver lines to the COVID uh, thing. But yeah, no, yeah, because I, I, I know people in well who live in London, but are from other countries in Europe, and they've gone home for Christmas, and they're effectively working from other European countries now because mm-hmm. of all the travel restrictions and everything else. And like you say, if there's one silver lining from all of this, it's it's that you don't even have to be in the same country necessarily in order to, to do your job and I, I it's been said already hasn't it but it's almost as if the, the crisis has just escalated or speeded up what was probably going to happen anyway no it wasn't going to happen anyway until all the boomers died uh and even then i i think some of the gen xer managerial said well if i can't see you how do i know you're yeah. working it wasn't going to be until the millennials or even gen z who grew up only on the internet would say why are we commuting but that's one thing i love about this is it, it we should have done this 20 years ago there yeah. was no reason we had to force people, uh, an entire generation of people to commute pointlessly uh, yeah. with this technology. But <clears throat> it's it's that old, I don't know, like, yeah, go listen to Jim Morrison, you idiot. So, yeah. Or in your case, the yeah. Beatles, uh, the, the British boomers could listen to their Beatles. If there's one thing I think the Brits have got right, it's popular culture and particularly pop music. I think British pop music, British pop culture is, is great, is, is excellent. Pretty much everything else we've managed to get wrong in one form or another, but uh, the music's good. I don't know. I like your Royal Einfeld uh, motorcycle, but I think you sold it to an Indian company now. <laughs> well, so I, yeah. I'm not sure there's much left. All right, here's a, here's a sort of a stereotypical interview question, but mm. I think interesting uh, in view of what we're talking about. If you were a younger man, would what would you tell yourself to do differently? Would there be things you oh. do differently, or would you, particularly in regard to this minimal, this idea of minimalism, would you would you have got out the gate totally differently, or, or no, you- Troy? I was perfect, and I continue <laughs> to remain perfect to this day. No, absolutely, I would have joined the military at seventeen. I would have joined right, you know, as soon as I could join the military. Really? I would have even going before that. I would have said, look, see if you could drop out of school and homeschool. Just to get out of the K through 12 or, uh, or elementary and high school education system, uh, get in the military, uh, OC, going to the officer training or ROT, become an officer over time, have them pay for your education, get all the edu- put your 20 years in because back then you could put 20 years in, you get a pension. And then by the time I was 38, I would have come out with a degree in engineering, uh, probably nuclear engineering, and I would have had a pension, I would have had lifelong health care. I would have said, bitches ain't shit. Stop. I mean, if there was one, I mean, out of all of that, if there was one thing I could convey is to take the sheen off of women mm. and show them for what they really were because they're pretty. You know, you remember being 13 and 14. It was like, oh, you got nice pigtails. And mm. you, and to, as an older man looking at, you know, hot 25 years, like, my God, they're dumb. I mean, to, to convey that, like, look, can you see how dumb they are? But you can't tell that to a 14 year old kid. Uh, but yeah. to like totally not put the focus and emphasis on women and then um, buy Bitcoin. I think that would have been another thing that I would have probably said. Buy Bitcoin. All right. 
So with the course itself, what can people expect as and when they enroll? Because it's only actually open. It's open today, isn't it? And then I think tomorrow. And then is it closed tomorrow? Tomorrow closes night? on midnight uh, it, on the sixth. So you have today, the fifth, and the sixth to sign up for it. And then uh, Central Standard Time, I close it. Cool. Um, okay. And what can people expect when they when they join up? I would like to say by the end of it, you will have eliminated all your material desire. That's why I'd like to say I can't guarantee that, but I tried my best to philosophically, economically, psychologically, biologically purge your desire to buy stuff you don't need and replace it with a, a, a an alternative value system or just to get rid of it. It's like, why am I doing this? To just kind of slap you across the face and wake you up. That's why I have no problems charging 500 bucks for it because like, if I could get you to spend less than you make, you're going to be way, you're going to be hundreds of thousands of dollars ahead. Uh, yeah. compared to your current rate now. So if you have trouble with spending, if you have trouble with saving for retirement, and and to a large extent, if you have a problem with what your point and purpose in life is, uh, this is the class, even though it's predominantly financially focused, we're also talking resources and point and purpose. We're trying to find you, give you a point and purpose to live in life so you don't fill it with worthless trinkets and crap. Yeah. And so that's what I, I would ideally hope you could expect, that you go in, and you're like, I don't need it. Like you're 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 going to that afternoon. You finish the course. You're taking a a, a box. You're throwing all the worthless crap you have in, it, and you're not going to Goodwill because that's too much time. And you're just throwing it in the dumpster. You're yeah. saving your mementos. You're saving your pictures. You got a computer, a laptop, maybe a couch, maybe a TV, and that's it. You're getting rid of all you. You're selling your car that has the the car loan on it. You're returning it to, you get your money. You're going to get out of debt. You have credit card debt. You're going to pay that off. Maybe get yourself a second job. And, and that is what I'm hoping. Uh, that's mm. what you quote, quote, ideally expect. Otherwise, maybe it's just a good booster shot to say, look, yeah. here's an alternative. You don't have to buy things. All right. And, and to think about it and that hopefully will lessen your spending. Uh, because at least there'd be a compelling, like, eh, I could do a couple, you know, even, even the practicum, there's two parts, there's theory and practice. The, the practicum, even if you don't feel it in your soul and your spirit, you've changed your life, at least like, well, I could do that. I can, I can do this. And that alone will, will save you the money uh, yeah. down the road. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think getting some guidance in this area and particularly from a course such as this one is 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 very is very valuable because like there's a lot of moving parts to this it might seem simple on the surface just have less stuff but actually there's a lot of as i say different things to consider and you really drill down into as you say almost like the philosophical background to this why you should be doing this in the first place and then the, the kind of life that you can lead and how to do it in practice but what i would say is that pandemics aside there, there are huge opportunities in the in the modern world for guys to live a relatively frugal, pared down lifestyle, not to be materialistic, but to go out and just have an amazing life. And mm -hmm. I think fundamentally, and the, the the key message that I was bang on about is that you don't have to follow the script. You don't have to follow the societal script. There is another way, right? And that mm -hmm. it, that's in your dating life, but equally, it's in your financial life. It's in it's in all aspects of your life. And I think that, that your work and this course in particular really underpins that, underlines that. Yeah, thank you. No, and that's that's what I was aiming to do because it it really isn't just your finances; it really is your time, all these resources. And uh, it, it, I, again, I hate to use the word holistic, but <clears throat> this isn't just going to improve your finances, but 
you know, it'll improve other aspects of your life, time management uh, at minimum and, and other things like that. But yes, it, it's uh, it really is a philosophy. It's, it's not just a, a financial plan. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Good stuff. Okay, guys. Well, listen, you need to sign up for the course. You've got today and you've got tomorrow. So I keep putting the link into the chat. It's also in the description for the video. It's in the top comment underneath, et cetera, et cetera. So do make sure that you uh, go and enroll on the course ASAP because time is running out and the doors will clang shut. Um, I wanted to just ask you a little bit about some current American politics, though, just in terms of January. I don't pay attention. Go ahead, ask. <laughs> just in terms of just in terms of January the sixth, because I'm following all the um, all the conspiracy theorists and all this kind of stuff, and they think that there's going to be a massive. Um, they think January the sixth potentially mm. there's going to be. We're going to see Trump pull out the aces from his hat and overturn the election and all the rest of it. I mean, what 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 do you reckon? I I uh, speaking of minimalism, I only have so many fucks to give. And I think it was when Obama got elected the second time I gave up. I didn't watch mm. politics um, mm. Mm. because I don't control it. My friends kept calling me, my friends kept calling me Nazis and sexist and racist and all that because I wanted lower taxes and a balanced budget, you know, crazy, crazy yeah. radical things like that. Um, I just don't care. Uh, and I, I think the biggest death blow to my care about politics was when I was an economist saying there's a housing crisis. Don't, don't lend and getting almost fired and reprimanded. So now I don't care uh, because yeah, it's not worth yeah. my time. And so I, I go spend time with my nieces. I don't know what Trump's doing. I just have a gun. I have lots of bullets. I train and I'll worry about it when it comes. But I, I cannot watch CNN. I cannot watch Fox News. I even limit my stuff on the Twitter. So um, if mm. Trump, uh, you know, I, I have to defer to authority in some regards. If he actually thinks there's, uh, corruption and then it's called, okay, fine. I, I'm not a big fan of Trump. Um, but, uh, I, I don't care uh, whether I care or not. It's not going to change anything. Yeah, it, absolutely. And I am on board with that. I mean, I'm, I'm somewhat hypocritical about this really, because I, have you read the book, uh, how I found freedom in an unfree world with Harry Brown? No, but I'm very familiar with Harry Brown and, and that book. Yes. Uh, because I read that a couple of years ago, and one of the things that he talks about, he, I mean, it's it, he, it's a sort of a libertarian mission statement, I, I guess. And one of the things that he talks about, which I've always agreed with, is don't concern yourself with politics because you can't change it. You're, you're not really going to make a damn's worth of difference. And so all these dudes who are on Twitter, like the whole time, posting about posting about Trump and posting about politics and stuff, it's they're kind of wasting their time because you yeah. know you're, you're just a tiny, tiny like cog in the cog in the not hardly even a cog in the machine. Having said that, I was just listening to an audiobook last night and the author was talking about Ukraine and, and, and he was talking about how there uh, several years ago there was a situation in Ukraine where the government had chosen to do a deal with Russia as opposed to go to, the, to, to, to do something with the European Union and the people were very upset about that and they all got out on the streets and complained and protested and blah, blah, blah. And it did end up with basically a regime change. So, and that made me think a little bit because I'm I'm fully on board with this kind of libertarian, let it burn, you know, enjoy the decline, do nothing kind of thing. But I mean, at, at some points, actually doing something can make a change politically, perhaps. So it well, can, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so but the the but the, 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 the citizenry has to be ready for it. Like the French Revolution, they were at the boiling pot stage. Yeah. Um, in the United States, we're fat, dumb, and lazy. Yeah. And everybody knows everything because they have a college degree. And and another thing, I, and I'll, I'll admit this, this is personal. I don't give a shit. 
I mean, I tried, man. I tried for two effing decades. And one of the greatest compliments, although it came way too late, was from a buddy of mine who used to be a lefty. He's like, oh, my God, you're right about everything. I'm like, yeah, no fucking shit, asshole. Well, <laughs> too bad you got kids who got to suffer this, huh? Well, well, you have fun sending your kid to the public schools in Minneapolis. Have fun, you moron. Um, I just, it, it's not the time in the United States. If it's going to be a revolution, it'll be like a, a municipal level socialist light. All right, we'll, we'll have, you know, but- uh, Ukraine is also much smaller than the United States. They're more recently uh, liberated from or liberated. Mm -hmm. They separated from the uh, Soviet Union, 1991, 92, I believe. Um, so I think that the cultural ingredients are there for revolution. But with the United States, I, I don't one, I don't see it. And two, I've tried to yes. do what was right. I tried my best. I try to warn people about worthless degrees. I try to warn them about the dot-com bubble, the uh, housing bubble. No one wants to listen. And you know what? I'm actually actively kind of cheering against the United States and take some bets against them because I just, they're, they're, they're frankly, in general, the United States is a bunch of degenerate people. They're a bunch of soft, spoiled, weak people. There's some good people, of course. But they're not going to get off their asses. They're not going to set down their ho-hos. They're not going to turn off their Netflix. They're not going to educate themselves about the Federalist Papers or why we fought the evil British Empire for our freedom. Uh, they're not. They're they're too busy with their sports ball and watching sports ball analysis. Forget them. It, it, you, you might as, you, I might as well be talking to this this uh, six-sided die right here. There's no reason to talk to them. Yes, exactly. I mean, it's kind of also. It's ultimately, it's kind of like what's what's more fun what's more of a laugh i mean what we're only on this planet for a very short period of time right, right. and this is the thing with all of these save the west dudes you're like oh my god save the west make women great again and do this and do that you know men have got to make a stand and you've got to be you know and all that and it, it, for a start i think a lot of it's virtue signaling bs so mm. i find it irritating from that point of view but also and again i guess this comes back to your point about energy we've got a finite amount of energy we've got a, a, a very few decades really on this planet why not do stuff that is, is going to be fun and enjoyable for you rather than get into the, these pointless battles that you're probably not going to win anyway the the attitude people need to take is <clears throat> i am too precious too good and way too superior to sit and watch news analysts or sports analysts or financial analysts Talk and bobble on it. I am so precious in my time. I'm going to go ride my motorcycles. I'm going to spend time with my nieces. I'm going to hunt fossils. And I am not wasting enough. I wasted enough time on politics, economics, chasing girls, doing the right thing, working. Done. Done. I'm dying soon. And by soon, I mean 25 to 30 years. I'm not, I already wasted decades doing what I was told. No more. Mm -mm, no. So I, the last thing I'm going to do is watch news. And then get upset and angry about it. There's no way I'm going to do that. Nope. Life yeah. is too short. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'm fully on board with that for sure. Um, well, listen, unless anyone's got any further questions, anybody's got any questions for Mr. Clary, Captain Capitalism here? Whack it in the chat now. But that being aside from that, um, I guess we can start to wind down now because the, the cold nights are drawing in in London, as you can see. Yes, it's getting very dark there, I see. Yes. Yeah, very dark. It's really cold, really dark. The news is really cold and dark. It's you know, it's it's Armageddon basically. But um, but you know, let's see let's see where we get to. <laughs> um, what are you up to over the next uh, over the next little while? You're you're taking it a bit more easy this year, right? Yes, twenty twenty one because of uh, I have stress and I had a cancer scare a year or so ago, and that was all stress induced. And so I did three books in twenty twenty. I did the seminars, you know, 
with rules here. I have my online course. That was, that was enough work. And so, uh, I'm just taking it easy. So it's going back to basics. I have asshole consulting. That's my standard consultancy. So if people got questions, they can hire me out there. I will be doing a regular podcast as I always do, uh, through my channel. Um, I'm going to write more regularly on my blog. Um, and then well, I got to do taxes, but I'm almost already done with those. I just have to wait for other people, uh, much to Ryan Stone's chagrin. Uh, otherwise, no, I'm just taking it easy. I'm building my house, um, mm. out in South Dakota. So that'll be done. If you ever come out to the States, you're more than welcome to crash. I'll just get a Love matching forever. fancy vest. I will have to go and have it made. Uh, otherwise about the only thing I, I would say is this, this is the latest thing is, is my book of numbers, the book of numbers, analyzing the ROI of the pursuit of women. You want to buy that book before you buy this Hanyakers book. This book is, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe you buy that guy's book, I don't know, but you want to buy, this is the, oh, I'm sorry. This is the book you want to buy. You want to get that book. That's, that's, uh, not, that's not necessarily the views of the, the, the Troy Francis uh, YouTube channel, but just right. Right. I'm, I'm just saying, I'm just saying if, if you're feeling charitable, get Rich's book. That's all I'm saying. But no, I, this is, uh, I am actually kind of proud of this, even though it's, it's a short piece, but it, this is, uh, this is what, I don't know. Go, if you want to see what I'm up to, this is it. This is my latest product, mm. uh, an actuarial study and analysis on the pursuit of women, what your ROI is. Yes. And that's it. Otherwise I'm doing this, man. I'm, I'm going to go and see people on their shows and Hey, what's going on and, and just take it easy and ride my motorcycle. Once the snow melts. It's a good life. It's a good life. No, the book is, the book is great. The book of numbers, uh, really, really interesting stuff in terms of, uh, understanding the return on investment of, and you're talking specifically about guys finding a, a, a relationship, a traditional sort of long-term relationship or marriage, aren't you? you Correct. Know? The, the is, happily married or happily committed is the, yeah. is the definition. Yes. Well, what about guys who just want to be degenerates and have loads of poo? Things oh, that, yeah, no, good. that's, yeah, that's the, well, see, and that's the thing is I, I take the reader through like, you know, I go through the methodology and there's numbers along the way because in order to marry, commit, you're going to have to date. So there's numbers yeah. about dating and online dating and all that. Uh, as well. So it certainly play uh, apply to the players. There's certainly some data there, but as you know, this is anybody, you know, I was going to tell you, it's a numbers game. You got to work out. You got to be in shape. You got to dress uh, correctly. You have to have good hygiene and all that other stuff, but then yeah. you got to go out there and you got to get your ass shot down. So, I mean, that's not a secret, but the numbers are somewhat shocking. But then what I really like, I think my model is, is I'm kind of impressed with how the numbers came out. When you run the numbers with different scenarios, it has it bears out in the real world. It it kind of confirms mm. my real world experiences where it's like, yeah, it's about right. You got to ask about 10 gals to get laid once. You know, you got to yeah. really so it's uh there's some good numbers and I think what that would allow you to do is expend your time or invest your time or allocate your time more efficiently. Uh, Absolutely. So it, it Absolutely. Save you a lot of money and time in that in that regard. Indeed, indeed. Uh, Mexi Mike says, how does it feel to be known as in the manosphere as the greatest millennial Gen Z lifer, Mr. Clary? Wait, how does it feel to be known in the manosphere as the greatest millennial? I'm not a millennial. I'm a Gen Xer. I'm old. I can see the gray hair. See the gray? See me not living in my mom's basement? I can't be millennial <laughs> or Gen Z. I have my own place. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not one of you people. Uh, Carlos says, how to be a minimalist when most women look for dollars i think it's well i mean there's power in just doing your own thing right and you know if she wants to come along for the ride she can come along for the ride it's a paradox um women do not look for wealth they don't know how to look for wealth they look for signs of men who spend money so when you buy a ferrari you don't have money 
you have a Ferrari. Uh, when you buy a McMansion, you don't have money, you have a McMansion. When you buy fancy clothes, you don't have money, you have fancy clothes. Now, ideally, you would be very legitimately rich and you could pay cash for these things and have money. Women don't know the difference between debt or equity spending. And so what you see a lot of is the do bros who will get a lease Beamer, go out to nightclubs, get bottle service, but it's all on a credit card. And meanwhile, they're working their $35,000 a year job to, to pay for it all. Yeah. Um, so in an ironic sense, to be a minimalist, you will actually have the money, but since you're not peacocking or showcasing, you're, you're not displaying your wealth, they're not going to pick up on those signals. So unfortunately you have to do some, but you can get fancy clothes in an affordable budget and you can, but you know, I, I that's what the data is for. So like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be retired at, at 45 and I'm a minimalist. Well, what does that mean? I mean, you got to kind of bring them along, but yeah, for your rank and file girls at the nightclub, it's all it's all peacocking. Indeed, absolutely. Uh, get the uh, Troy Francis vests coming soon to a spot to a, to a, to, a, to a, an e-commerce uh, store uh, in twenty twenty one. The competent man says, "Would you say clown world is in effect? I expect you and Cappy business to skyrocket in twenty twenty one." I don't know really. Do, what do you feel about the term clown world? I find it slightly over. Yeah. I mean, it's now. It's getting worse. I don't think it's going to improve. We're going to need a a big cultural crisis, you know, be a great recession or a, a war for people to get back to basics. Um, but I think the insanity will continue, but as long as COVID keeps going, I think 2021 is going to be a good business for us. Um, mm. I was shocked how many people tuned into my podcast. Cause I, I basically come on, Hey, it's the poop and fart show with Aaron Clary. Well, apparently people like the poop and fart show with Aaron Clary. And so my enrollment enrollments, my uh, uh, subscribers and viewers, and I think people are going to the internet just to have a little bit of, even this, you know, just a good conversation with a bunch of guys that are coming here for a bit of sanity. So I think that'll continue. And then once the all clear is given, you know, which I hope for, I have a feeling things will taper off and then we'll find something else to do. I suspect coming into spring, things will start to taper off because I think just naturally um, it's going to start to dissipate a bit. But, mm. you know, I mean, we've got a, Rough couple of months, probably until then. Certainly over here. But anyway, mate, thank you ever so much for coming on. Just a final reminder, guys, join Aaron's course. Um, there's the link there. It's called uh, Achieving Minimalism Theory and Practice. It's fantastic. It'll teach you everything you need to know about living that, that free and uh, 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 unencumbered minimalist lifestyle, which you absolutely should be doing. And yeah, um, thanks ever so much for, for coming on, Aaron. It's really great to chat to you. As always, any final Final words, any final thoughts for the for the guys at home? The key to getting the girls is to have <laughs> Troy's hair and that vest. And if you can get that that magic fleece vest, the golden fleece vest, right, you don't have to try it. No, no. But no, thanks for having me, Troy. I really appreciate you having me on the show. Great stuff. Good, uh, good to speak to you as always. Okay, guys, we will see you again 